Start a new transition in life, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing, or creating a brand new life. Be with us in Panta Kalhor Transition Channel. Episode 53, Fertility Empowerment Show, Biohacking Your Super Baby with Dr. Klopatla Kamperman, Fertility Strategist and Executive Director of the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. Welcome to Fertility Empowerment Podcast and show. Uh, today, I have very special guest, Dr. Klopatra, and uh, she's a fertility strategist and executive director of Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. She is a scientist and university prof- professor who pioneered the field of fertility, biohacking, and creating super babies. To date, Dr. Klopatra has scientifically studied tens of thousands women, of women and families and has helped women in 18 countries on six con- continents biohack their super babies. She has received nearly 3 million in grants, funding from National Institute of Health, the National Science Foundation, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and others. Please subscribe to Panta Kalhor Transition channel in YouTube and order my book, Naturally Conceived, through Amazon. Get pregnant by unleashing your reproductive power. Welcome, Dr. Cleopatra. Uh, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Pantia. It's wonderful to be here with you today. So tell me about your topic. I, I was really excited to see what does that mean when you're saying biohacking super babies? Well, it is really the opportunity to create our super babies that every single one of us has. And let me first tell you what I mean by super baby, because I think that that's really, really important. Super baby does not imply comparison, comparing one person's baby to another baby. When you get to have your super baby, it means that you get to have the healthiest, happiest, brightest, most well-adjusted baby you can possibly have given your DNA and your epigenome, which is how your DNA express themselves and how they combine with the other person who's providing DNA for your child, whether that's your partner or somebody else. So that's what it means when you get to have your super baby. And the trick to having our super babies, the secret to having our super babies is what we call the primester. The trimester is the 120 plus days leading up to conception when we literally have the power to change the quality and the expression of the genes that we pass down to our babies. And actually from science, we know that this crosses at least two generations. So it means not just our babies, but also our grandbabies. So the trimester is just like it sounds it's it's prime time it's prime real estate and it's the opportunity to prime and prepare our brains our bodies every single part of ourselves every single part of our lives including our relationship for having our super babies and for providing the very best epigenetic foundation for our babies and as i said our grandbabies we really need to think of the trimester as one of the most 
important and valuable windows of opportunity we will ever have as human beings. Beautiful. Yes, you're right. It's like more than three months, 100 days. 120 days. It's actually 16 weeks, four, four months. Four months. Okay. Yeah. You're right. yeah, we really need this time to get ready. So we, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't rush into it, as you said. We need some preparation. You know, it's a really interesting question because at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, we work with a lot of women who are high achievers, who have stayed in school longer, who focus on their careers, waited for the perfect conditions to have their babies. Maybe they were waiting for their perfect partner, their prince or princess, or their non-binary regal person, or they were waiting to own a house or to have a certain amount of money in the bank or to have reached a certain status in their careers. And because of that, they are having children later on in their reproductive span, as I call it. And when they come to us, there's so much anxiety around the time pressure to get pregnant, to have our babies, especially if we wake up one day and are like, oh my God, did I wait too long? I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. And now here I am at the age of 40 or 42. And what what do I do? Do I even have time? And so the women are often really concerned. Our mamas are often really concerned about the possibility of taking time to primester. And especially when when you talk about taking 120 days to primester, people can feel really, really anxious about that. But the important thing to know is that by taking the time to primester, we almost always can buy ourselves more time because in the process of primestering, we get to reverse reproductive aging to the extent that that's possible for an individual. We get to reduce risk of miscarriage and chromosomal abnormality and other kinds of pregnancy complications, which means that once you get pregnant, you're much more likely to stay pregnant and to go on to deliver at term and have your super baby. So taking that time is really valuable. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. There's not one other thing that we do in our lives that we value so much that we don't prepare for. We plan and prepare for the kind of major that we're gonna have in college, for the internships we're gonna have, for the career that we're gonna have. We even plan and prepare for the body that we want for summer. We plan and prepare our wedding day. We take so much time to plan a wedding day. Of course, we want to plan and prepare and trimester for having our babies. That is the most important thing that we will ever do if we decide to have children is have having our babies. Great. And so taking that time is hugely valuable both to us and to our children and really contributes so positively to the state and the soul of the planet. Because think about it, if we every single one of us primestered, we would be so ready, not just epigenetically, but physiologically, psychologically, in terms of our romantic relationships. So as a family unit, for having our babies and for the transition to parenthood or the transition to parenting multiple children, it would ripple out into the world and change the state of our planet. And I hope one day we will get there. That's definitely my Beautiful. goal. So let's say somebody comes to you 
and mm -hmm. say, okay, I've tried everything, IVF, IUI, all the treatments, I'm healthy and I don't have any fertility issues. Why I don't get pregnant? Why do you say to her? That is such an important question. So the first thing I wanna say is that fertility challenges are equally likely to originate in the female, the male, and at the couple level. So, and I say male and female because the scientific data are on heterosexual couples, but at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, we serve all couples, all families. We support all formations of love and of family. So I just wanna say that because that's really important to us. Our number one core value is deep impact, access and inclusion. So speaking to the data, Fertility challenges are about 30% of the time originating in the female, 30% of the time originating in the male, 30% of the time originating at the level of the couple. And I'm going to say more about this in just a second. And then approximately 10% of the time get diagnosed as what is called unexplained infertility. I put infertility in quotes because the reality is that there are very few people in the world who are truly infertile or truly sterile. So we don't use infertility, we use the term fertility challenges. Mm -hmm. And so what we know is that probably some percentage of that, some proportion of that 10% who are diagnosed with unexplained fertility challenges are also at the couple level, which means that if you look at each individual in the couple, you can't identify any physiological origin for the fertility challenges. But for some reason, when the way the couple combines experience together, they experience together conditions of sub-fertility. And so it might be that both partners have experiences, uh, conditions of subfertility, or that one partner does and the other one doesn't. So for example, you sometimes see individuals who experience fertility challenges in one relationship, and then they go on to have another relationship and they have no trouble at all having a baby. And that's because that combination of people was able to push the individual over the threshold of subfertility, whereas the previous combination didn't seem to be able to achieve that as easily. So that's number one. Number two, I always say that our fertility is a complex network or system. Now complex doesn't mean complicated. It just means that there are intricate relationships among the parts. So you can't look at the parts by themselves. You can think of the neural network in the brain. You can think of what a cell phone network looks like. You can think about the way that viruses spread. That's also a network. They, viruses spread a, along a social network. Our fertility has a similar complex network. At the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, we represent the fertility system, as we call it, with a, a triangle and the trying the fertility triangle has five levels at the bottom of the fertility triangle the base is the psychosexual level so psychological and sexual 
The second level is bioecological, so that's our biology or physiology, plus the ecological context, which is the environmental context in simpler terms. The third level is neuroimmunological, which has to do with the brain and the immune system. The fourth level is social, and the fifth level is cultural. There is nowhere else in the world that fertility is looked at in this way. And I always say that it, even if you feel that you have tried everything, you've tried the most expensive technologies and nothing else has worked, there is still hope for you. You still have a chance if you have not yet addressed the full fertility triangle or all levels of the fertility triangle. And what's really important for people to know is that the fertility triangle, your fertility triangle cannot be outsourced. There is no one who can do the work for you at each of the levels of the fertility triangle, especially the all of the levels except for the bioecological context. So, so the physiology part is the one place where we can outsource some of it. But for the most part, you cannot outsource your fertility triangle. So what that means is even if you are going to use IVF because you want to or because you've already determined that that's the right course of action for you, it's really important that you primester and that you primester at each level of your fertility triangle so that you optimize your odds of success in IVF or any other intervention that you're going to do. And certainly for people who want to conceive naturally and who've been having fertility challenges, it's really important that they're primestering at each of the five levels of the fertility triangle. However, primestering in the fertility triangle are not just for people who are having difficulty getting pregnant or staying pregnant. Everybody wants to primester to give themselves and their babies this unfair advantage. We all want our children to have this unfair advantage. And I want every woman's, every person's children to have this unfair advantage that we know that we get by putting in the work on our fertility triangle and primestering. So you said uh, there, there, there are five levels. Let's mm -hmm. uh, just have some example on uh, cultural level. Yes. Okay. I'm this a is... little bit confused. I just want to know how does this work? It's very interesting for me. I'd never look at fertility in this angle. Yes. Nobody, nobody else does. This is, we are the only place that does that. So, and, and I know, so it's a paradigm shift. It really is a revolutionary approach to fertility and pregnancy and what we call the mommy life cycle. And the point of it is that we know from science that we start creating the life and the health that our children will have long before they're born and even long before we conceive them, which is why the primester is so important. And you want the primester to be a minimum of 120 days, but if you're just graduating from college and you know that you wanna have babies and you know that you're about 10 years out from having babies, then you would be so wise to start primestering at least 80% of the time at, in your 20s so that when you're ready in your 30s and 40s, it's easy for you. You know your fertility like the back of your hand. One of the parts of the, the primester protocol, which is the system that we use to teach people how to primester and to address each level of their fertility triangle, 
one of the steps of the trimester protocol is what we call the get pregnant in no time formula. This is at the bioecological level. And then I'll come back to the cultural level so I can give you an example, a concrete example of what that is. The get pregnant in no time formula is an incredible part of the trimester protocol. I spent, I've spent 24 years developing, testing, refining, using the trimester protocol. And the get pregnant in no time formula became a piece of the trimester protocol probably about 12 years ago, maybe, maybe closer to 15 years ago. And I have so meticulously developed this. And basically what this part of the protocol allows you to do is to identify your fertile window with the most perfect precision humanly possible without ultrasound. And you can use the, the get pregnant in no time formula also to avoid getting pregnant without using hormonal birth control that masks your cycle, masks your fertility, and potentially harms your fertility. Exactly. So in using, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, Pantia. I said, exactly, I don't like hormonal uh, treatment, it hurts. Well, and I, you know, I have to say that there are a lot of things that I really appreciate about hormonal birth control because hormonal birth control has changed the world for women mm -hmm. in the Western world and elsewhere in the world. And it has provided women with so much more choice and freedom and ability to control how and shape how they live their lives. And anything that gives us more autonomy and, and allows us to be more fully in our self-authority and our power, I can find appreciation for, for sure. So I don't hate on birth control, the, horm the pill or other hormonal birth control. But what I will say is that I hope that my daughter never uses it and that she has other ways of de determining when she will want to have her children and also protecting her body as she's exploring pleasure and all of the things that we do when, when we're exploring sexual activity. And so I, I think that what's really important is that we now have so much evidence that that the pill and hormonal birth control contribute to conditions that make fertility challenges and, and a number of other things that we want to avoid, including certain kinds of cancers, much more common. And so the other issue is that birth control, hormonal birth control is also masking our natural cycle and not allowing our body to cycle in the natural way that it's meant to. And that absolutely 100% affects our health, both short-term and long-term. So there definitely are lots of downsides to hormonal birth control. And at the same time, like I said, I will never knock it because I know that it has been life-changing for so many women. Yes. And so I think that it's really important to acknowledge that it, it comes with both strengths and weaknesses, like so many things in life. But the get pregnant in no time formula is allows you to know your fertile window with such incredible precision that you can plan when you want to get pregnant, which is what the part of the system that I use to plan for my three babies to be born in the month of March. 
And you can also use it to avoid getting pregnant as long as you're willing to be diligent and keep up with your, your tracking that you need to do as part of the Get Pregnant in No Time formula. So what I love about it is that you identify your fertile window so precisely, but in the process of learning about your cycle and your fertile window, you're also not harming your fertility. In fact, quite the opposite. By the time you're ready to have your babies, you know your fertility so perfectly that you probably don't even need the tools anymore. Like I know, I know my fertile window. I don't, I mean, I still do the get pregnant in no time formula to this day, but I have, I have the same cycle that I've had since my twenties and probably even before that. And I know my fertile window That's so perfectly. Great. Yeah. Because so uh, that- you never get, uh, you didn't have any IVF or any, uh, no? all of them were natural. All of my babies aren't natural. Not only did I conceive naturally, I conceived on the very first time with every single one of them. Perfect. Which is how I was able to plan when they would be born, the month that they would be born. So they're all born in March. They're seven, five, and two. And I was almost 35, almost 37, and almost 40 when they were each born. So... How did you come to this field? It's interesting. How, how did you decide to, to be a fertility a strategist? Fertility Because yeah. I know you, you're, um, you are a psychologist, doctor? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have a PhD. I don't have an MD. I, uh, my, I'm um, a, what's called a health and social psychologist, and I'm also a statistician, and then I have postdoctoral training in social epidemiology and population health and human development and aging. And I, you know, it's my obsession and it always has been. I, I'm, I'm such a woman's woman and I have always been obsessed with fertility and pregnancy. I lost my own mother at birth. And so I've started paying very close attention very early in my life to moms and what they seemed like they needed, what they seemed like they were lacking, what seemed to be the difference between the ones who looked like they were just flowing through all of it so easily versus the ones for whom everything looked hard and effortful. And I, you know, even long before I really officially became a scientist, I was behaving like a scientist, observing them, studying them, getting to know what they needed and looking for the patterns and looking for the pieces that nobody had ever noticed before, which is why at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, our mission is to see what others can't using the best of science, love, and commitment to help high-achieving women ensure that their biological clocks can keep up with the rest of their lives. And that's because that really has been my gift to see what others can't, which is how I could see the fertility triangle, even though nobody ever knew that the psychological component or the cultural component or the social component were so much a part of our fertility system. Okay, get back to that cultural. Yeah, cultural and social. No, I, Let's I, talk I, about those. Yeah. So let me give you a concrete example at the cultural and social level. So at the cultural level, I want you to think really carefully about the messages 
whether spoken or unspoken, that you received from your mother, maybe also your grandmother, other female relatives, and just the women in your circle of influence as a child about the meaning and value of fertility and pregnancy and motherhood. Did you see fertility as, as some, did you see through other people's eyes fertility as something that was hard, that would challenge you or that came easily? Was motherhood full of sacrifice and pain? And when you became a mother, you had to give up your dreams and you became a fraction of the woman that you were before or that you were meant to be. These messages that we are handed down across generations are really influential in the formation of our own ideas and beliefs and fears about fertility and pregnancy and taking that leap of faith that is motherhood because motherhood is a leap of faith. So one of the things that we do at the cultural level is in addition to looking at intergenerational stress and trauma and and the good side of it, what we call intergenerational bliss. And that's what we work to create more of. One of the things we work to create more of in terms of epigenetic influence in the primester protocol, we are looking at what we call a primester genealogy. So really mapping out and getting very clear on what were those spoken and unspoken messages that were passed down to us from our mother's our, our aunts, our sisters, our grandmothers, the other women that we observed in our community and our families except in the world, and, and really examining the beliefs that were passed down to us and whether we want those beliefs, whether we agree with those beliefs. So we do that in a very meticulous way using what we call the primester genealogy. So that's just one example of what we do at the cultural level. What about at the social at the social level, one of the things that we're looking at is, in a big way, is the, the romantic relationship. Assuming a, a woman is coming to have a baby with us in the context of a romantic relationship, we have lots of mamas who, are, who have decided to go for having a baby on their own because they haven't met their perfect person yet or whatever. So they're going to use a sperm donor. And so that's not always, that's not always the case that there is a relationship, but even the absence of the relationship is an important piece of the social level of the fertility triangle. So whether it's, there is a relationship or there isn't a relationship, this piece of the social level is very important. And you know, it's really interesting because I don't think of myself as a relationship expert in any way, but one thing that we see time and time again in our data, because we collect tons of data, we collect both quantitative and qualitative data, and we have been collecting data for years and years and years already, is that relationships are transformed during the trimester. Couples become report becoming so much closer. They be, report becoming so much healthier emotionally, mental, mentally, and physically together. They report feeling so much more prepared for parenting with one another, that their intimacy is back, that sex is fun again, instead of just being robotic in service of making a baby or that that's you know 
Yeah, it's so it's so huge, right? And also so even much stress. I know that. <laughs> yeah, you. Yes, exactly. Especially in IVF, uh, they they say, okay, this time is your fertile window. You have to do this, to do that. You know, you really yeah. don't enjoy being together. You just try to uh, follow the protocol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. in our protocol, you get you get the love and the joy back. One of one of our foundational mantras because we know that when the brain or the body perceive stress or emergency, that it's harder to reproduce, that it's harder to get pregnant and stay pregnant. The parts of the brain that are involved in safety are also involved in reproduction. And so if the brain does doesn't perceive safety, it puts reproduction on the back burner. It doesn't allow us yeah. to reproduce. And that's just a function of the central nervous system and the way that we evolved first and foremost to ensure our survival and then survival of the species. Mm-hmm. And so that's why safety will always be put before reproduction. So one of our mantras is as many moments of every day as you possibly can step out of stress, step out of emergency, step out of trauma, whether it's a trauma that's happening now or a, an old trauma that you're still reliving or somewhere inside of yourself and your body and step into peace and pleasure. And I think that peace and pleasure, they sound like really nice and sweet, but they don't sound essential for life or for fertility. But the truth is that they are absolutely essential because like I said, our our body and our brain will not prioritize our ability to get pregnant and stay pregnant if they do not feel safe, if there isn't peace and if there isn't pleasure. And I always say, treat pleasure as if your fertility depends on it because it does. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So let's get back to that five <laughs> levels because I, yeah. I've got to clarify all of them. Uh, yes. You start from the sexual part? Psychosexual. So this is about psychology, sexuality, sensuality. Mm-hmm. The second one? Is bioecological. So biological plus ecological. So that has to do, this is the level of the fertility triangle that most people associate with fertility. This is about your physiology, your uh, your your sex hormones. We, we work really hard on the HPA axis, looking at the body stress response and the balance of sex hormones and stress hormones and the feedback loops among our psychology and our fertility. So that actually crosses both the first level, the psychosexual and the bioecological level. And you'll see that they, they're they all so related. There are feedback loops among yes, the different levels. And mm-hmm. the third level? Neuroimmunological, so the brain and the immune system. Yes, and fourth level was um, social. social, and the f- f- fifth level, cultural. So I, I have it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. I never look at the fertility in this angle. I love that because uh, you have to. The problem is whenever you have uh, fertility issues, the first thing. The, uh, they try to treat is your fertile and biological um, yeah. body and they always uh, focus on reproduction 
organs. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. is not. Sometimes you have a lot of underlining issue that you have to take care. Yes, yes, both physiologically and otherwise, right? So this is this is why I, I say bless you that it's really really important that you remember that you can't outsource your fertility triangle because even something like IVF doesn't have the ability to dress, address the underlying issues in many cases. What it does is it circumvents the issues. So for example, you can have IVF and you can be prompt, your body can be prompted to pr produce as many eggs as possible. The eggs are fertilized and then the the eggs are um, the blastocysts are tested the embryos are tested to determine whether they're healthy whether they're chromosomally normal ivf can do the testing to ensure that only chromosomally normal embryos get transferred to the uterus however ivf cannot do anything to help promote that the no. embryos will be healthy in the first place. That's your work to do exactly in your trimester at every level of your fertility triangle before going in to IVF so that you can maximize your odds of having as many healthy embryos as possible, embryos that get tested, that are healthy, that can be transferred. IVF only focus on quantity. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the problem because uh, they they try to fake your body uh, mm -hmm. and uh, get as much as eggs from you <laughs> as okay. much as eggs and uh, yeah. so if you your body naturally just create one in each cycle they get like thirteen or twenty so wow then. You, you feel like, oh, from 20, maybe I have a, a few of them. You know, I was like thinking, maybe because I, I had two IVFs. So I said, oh, this time I have 15, I have 13. From this 13, maybe I, get, I can get, have like twins, I can have triplets. But mm -hmm. none of them were, even if they transferred, that none of them could survive. So mm -hmm. you see, it's like... A, it's faking this 13, 15, and then you see, oh, nothing happened. And well, but in actual pregnancy, you only have one. And that one uh, have a lots of uh, nutrition and lots of good quality things because uh, it, um, uh, it created, it could be created naturally. And I don't know. IVF works for, for many people and it's uh, proven statistically, it's very proven, but it's not for everybody. Well, I think the important thing to remember is that that conception is in many ways a numbers game. So it, the reason why IVF would focus on quantity is because the more you have, then the more likely you're going to get healthy ones. However, it cannot, IVF cannot do anything to ensure that they are healthy. So that's why that's your work to do yourself before going into IVF and, and even before going into conceiving naturally. It's just like 
if you want to run a marathon, you don't wake up one day and decide to go run a marathon that day. You train for the marathon exactly. over many months. You focus on your diet. You focus on getting enough sleep and, and having enough rest days to recover. And it's the same kind of thing. You do the preparation and there's nobody who can train for the marathon for you. Only you can train to be successful in the marathon. It doesn't matter how much money you, you have and how much money you want to commit to solving the problem. There's still nobody who can train for the marathon for you. Exactly. And it's you have to do the marathon yourself. <laughs> you have to nobody you have train for the marathon yourself. Exactly. exactly. And the more you train, the more likely you are to meet your goal. Yes. In your clinic, uh, um, who are the, I mean, who works in your clinic? Uh, is it only psychological part or there oh. are lots of specialists in uh, fertility? Yeah. Yeah. So as of now, we are a team of 14 people rapidly growing. We serve people all over the world on six continents. And we consist of uh, fertility. I'm a PhD. We have uh, an, an ND, a naturopathic doctor. We are adding a couple more naturopathic doctors. So NDs or NMDs. And the reason why I really love uh, naturopathic doctors is because they have the same training as MDs, but they're, they have additional training to focus on understanding root causes as opposed to just looking at and treating symptoms. And so that's very, very compatible with how we work at the fertility triangle on the fertility triangle. So we have, we have, we have FPI fertility and pregnancy Institute, a physician and are adding some additional physicians now, which I'm super excited about. We have fertility epigenetics coaches. And this is one of the, I mean, not only is our approach to fertility and the biological clock and pregnancy pioneering and revolutionary, but we are the only place in the world where fertility epigenetic tailoring is offered. And I'll say a little bit more about that. Um, we also have uh, counselors and therapists. We have other kinds of coaches. So what we do is we, you know, we work really um, as a team to Perfect. identify the full constellation and really promote the very best strategy for for our couples and our mamas to be successful. Oh, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Pantia. So all of them are online. Because you said you have uh, six continents and 18 countries. We work with everybody virtually, yes. So it's online. That's great. Yeah. So everybody yeah. and other country can reach you. Yes. As long as, as, I mean, the only criterion is that, that they can uh, understand and speak enough English to be able to take in the information because we don't yet have our work translated, although that is absolutely a goal for us and something that I cannot wait to do. Perfect. Okay. Um, I try to have more questions because it's so precious to have you here. 
uh, how do our life experiences become embedded in our DNA and DNA of our babies? Yes, this is so important. This is the process of epigenetics, which is all of everything that we do is based on science and data and specifically based on the science of epigenetics, which is how the internal and external, internal and external environments shape the expression of our genes. Through our internal and external environments, genes can be suppressed, genes can be activated, which is why even in identical twins who share 100% of their DNA, there will be significant differences in the way that they look, the way they sound, the way that they behave, etc., because they have, as two individuals, even with the same exact DNA, their own unique experiences of their internal environment and their external environment. So that is the way that our life experiences become embedded in our biology, become embedded in our DNA, and that is passed down across generations, what we call the intergenerational transmission of health. And we, we hear a lot about this now, intergenerational stress, intergenerational trauma. These are examples of, of that. And that's why primestering is so important because during that time of the primester, we can be very deliberate about what we do and don't want to pass down to our children. So for example, for me, I had a very difficult beginning to life and the, my, my family legacy up until uh, my generation was one of a lot of hardship, a lot of suffering, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of pain. Life was more like something to survive and endure rather than something to enjoy. And my, my, I, I'm, I'm an immigrant. My parents came from Egypt and, you know, from, from incredible poverty. My dad was from a very rural uh, part of Egypt from a village, you know, where, where they, they didn't, they didn't even have schools when he was growing up. They, to this day, the, the, the floors of the houses are the, like, outside the ground from outside the you know the they're like kind of like mud houses there and so uh so there was there was so much suffering in my in my lineage and my legacy and my commitment in my primester was that my children could be and would be joy and they would be free and they could enjoy life and live life to be joyful and and for it to be a beautiful thing and not not just something that that was hard and that had to be endured and I'm that was such a deliberate decision on my part and my husband's part and and what we did together in our primesters for for each of our babies and how we recommit every day to creating our family culture into creating the life that we live with our children. It's so such a deliberate process. I like it. You see like it what you say is so interesting and so heartwarming. Um, because you. you are going to be your baby's host. And yes. that's why you have to be ready for this guest. That's a beautiful example of what <laughs> the Prime Minister is so precious time 
So true. Yeah. And then you're right. Um, I'm from uh, Iran, and uh, Iran was in war for years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the children from war, um, they have their own issues because mm -hmm. we, we were not in peace those days. And yeah. even if uh, that's finished, but it still stay in my mind. Yeah. That's why I wanted to be in peace, in a peaceful yeah. country and live and immigrate somewhere else. Yes. So that's why um, 100%. for your daughter, for, for my daughter, I didn't want her to be in war. I didn't want her to have the same problems that I had there. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And you, are, you are a miracle that you survived that and you're here and that you got to yeah. give, Actually, give your daughter. There is no, no war. It's been long time ago. It's been I'm so familiar. I'm so yeah. familiar with the yeah. history. Of but Iran. those days when mm -hmm. you, you can't believe it, I predicted my having a daughter, even I was not married those days. Mm -hmm. I said, if I have a baby, if I have my daughter, I'm going to have my daughter uh, and uh, I want her to be free and happy and peaceful. Mm -hmm. That was my prediction. And everybody say, you are not married yet. How, how can you predict this? And how, can, how do you know you have a baby? You know, I, I knew in my heart mm -hmm. that I'm going to have it. And I knew that someday it's going to happen to me. So I never believe in statistics i never mm -hmm. believe that uh, as you say infertility i never believe it i said mm -hmm. there is a little blocker that i have to find and i remove it mm -hmm. you know and, yeah and you said i don't know everybody believe in something i believe in the power of god mm -hmm. and then uh, i knew that if you connect to something uh, powerful then you're gonna feel with this and your your spirit and your body uh, will be very powerful so and nothing can um, resist yes i love that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that. i love that so much and i think that's right you know i i i think that we could have all of the most amazing science on our side and and if we lack a belief in our body's ability to make a baby, to carry a baby, to have a baby, to birth a baby, it's going to be so much harder to do those things. Yeah. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Yeah. So finally, we could meet and talk. Yeah. And uh, I'm so grateful for what you do. I always respect yeah. women who are helping others to ease this you know, trauma for miscarriages and people who are really struggling with this fertility issue, even if they are healthy. Mm -hmm. That's the point. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, that's a big help and big work that you do. I, I really appreciate that. Thank and you so hopefully much. Hopefully my audience really uh, enjoyed this as I did. Uh -huh. and, thank uh, yeah thank you so much but uh just just the last thing do you have any program uh, that you can give away to my audience yes we have an incredible 
a piece of information called the fertility checklist mm -hmm. and you can go to fertilitypregnancy.org fertilitypregnancy.org right there on the home page you will see a place where you can download the fertility checklist and it has incredible science-based secrets for igniting your fertility right there and then things that you can do it literally takes two minutes to check off and go through and do an fertilitypregnancy.org org mm -hmm. okay yeah. perfect thank you so much Cleopatra, for you're being welcome here. thank you for having me i really appreciate this work oh, that you're doing. another one you have a uh, upcoming book right we do i do i don't have an exact publication date but sometime in 2021 and it's on the prime master 2021 uh, in august thank you. We don't have an exact date, but sometime in 2021, next year. Oh, okay, next year. So yes. let me know whenever you have it. I uh, I really wish uh, my audience can use it and they can buy okay. your book. Um, 100%, yes. that's going to be very interesting and yes. very full of knowledge because you've done so lots, of, uh, lots of research in it and you have lots of good people teaming with you. And I really wish yeah. other can help, can, thank you. It's going to be the go-to manual for primestering, for getting ready for pregnancy, for overcoming fertility challenges. I don't hold anything back. All the information is there. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Pantia. Yeah. So wonderful to be with you. Thanks everyone. Bye.